Hey guys, this is David. We wanted to let you know about an exciting opportunity we don't want you to miss out on. We are hosting our annual Awaken Conference Labor Day weekend in Dallas, Texas. Join 4,000 other young adults from all over the country and world to be a part of seeing an awakening of the hope of the world, which is the church of Jesus in our generation. Go to theporch.live to get a ticket before they sell out. Hope to see you at Awaken 2022. Welcome to Views from the Porch, a lifestyle podcast where we have weekly conversations about some of the biggest challenges young adults face today. Our desire is to use God's word and our experience leading thousands of young adults at the porch to challenge you, push you, keep it real with you, and walk alongside you as you navigate your defining years as a young adult. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live or follow us on social media. And with that, here's this week's episode. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch with J.D. Rogers. What's up? Sorry, I was sipping my Celsius. Classic. Like always. Gotta fuel up. Classic. <laughs> and Becca from the block. What's up, guys? What's up, y'all? What's up is my thing. Can we not? Oh. Can we all have our thing? Yeah. I want, my, mine is what up. Why do you get what up? I feel like I say because that just I, naturally. Do not forget, I have been in this seat. All right, you're the nigga mm, on the block. Mm. Okay, so what do you recommend I say? Hi, hi. Um, <laughs> you know, definitely not what Laura did. That's not on brand for you. Yeah, what she did? Hey, she was hey y'all. Oh yeah, yeah, that's for sure not cowgirl. I think I think yours. Well, you can we can try some a few things. But, I'll say a. Uh, oh, oh, this is a Gen Z. Okay, okay, wow. Okay. <laughs> She's like yeet. Oh. <laughs> no, ew. That's trying too hard. Well, All we'll right. work on it. Anyways, what are we talking about today? Well, hard shift. Um, we are going to discuss just all the things around the recent um, shooting in Uvalde and just all the, just the tragedy and how we should think about it. It's interesting. Something I wrestle with, um, anytime something like this happens, Roe versus Wade, all that, any, anytime something big happens, I, it's inevitable. I always get a couple of DMs. Of people asking me why I don't post. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't... One, it's it's weird because I, I think what I'm noticing is anytime something happens, like there's this like Christian thing to do where like you post and it's almost like it's weird. It's like it gets a lot of attention and a lot of comments and this is so good. Thank you. And that person who posted is like getting encouraged which i'm not hating right. on that sure i just personally am like i just don't want any attention on my i don't know i'm doing a lot of reading a lot of praying and i, and I just honestly just don't have a lot to say i'm kind of just sitting in like wow i'm like taking it in and i think a lot of people kind of find themselves there and thoughts just go everywhere i mean thoughts just for me i'm i'm looking at the faces of the 19 children, um, the teachers. I'm thinking about all the kids going to school the next day. Um, the teachers going to school today and what they're thinking. You know, it was so close to summer. There's just so much that I go down like the rabbit hole, and I'm sure everyone does. And so I think inevitably what ends up happening is, is then you kind of come face to face with like God in this tragedy. Um, like what, what's God's role 
if God is all knowing, if God is all powerful, God could have done anything to stop this. Mm -hmm. Um, These kids were so innocent. Um, So let's just start with first, how should we think about God's role in something like a mass shooting? Yeah. Man, first, I think um, when you address a question like this, you're basically addressing the problem of evil. And how do we reconcile that? And I think there's a really good argument and clear logic for how Christians can reconcile with our faith the existence of evil in the world. And those are not, um, those can coexist in a way that intellectually speaking and logically speaking makes sense and is congruent. But when it comes to this subject, especially in the aftermath of what just happened, and by the time this releases, we live in a broken, sinful world. Who knows what else will have happened? It's such an emotional, tender topic that logical and intellectual arguments and reconciling and providing a case that addresses the, the intellect is really not, um, is not satisfying emotionally. And I'm, I'm starting there because there is no emotionally satisfying answer to the problem of evil. In other words, by the end of this podcast, you're not going to turn it off and go, oh, Wow, now I'm totally okay with the fact that 19 kids and two teachers had their life taken away with them. Now it all makes sense because that's an emotional aspect. And the reason it's not emotionally satisfying is a reflection of the fact that you're made in the image of God. God is not emotionally satisfied with the fact that there is evil in the world, so much so that he would go to a cross and die to be the solution to ultimately and finally one day end evil in the world. I'm reminded of Jesus and, uh, you know, at one point, J.D., you were actually going to teach this, or one of us was next week at the porch or at some week, Lazarus, the story of Lazarus. He shows up. Lazarus has been dead for three days. Jesus is about to raise him from the dead, and he stands outside of the tomb of Lazarus, who's buried in this tomb, who's been dead for three days, and Jesus begins weeping. And you, you think about it, and you're like, why are you – you're literally about to call him forward. Why are you crying? Because he's a God who – better than anyone else knows this is a world that is not like it was created and intended to be, full of death and a world that never was intended or created to have death exist in it, full of shootings that happen and people dying younger than they should. And more than anyone else, Jesus knows, because none of us have ever seen a world without it. He has. Mm -hmm. And so he's moved out of compassion and moved to tears because God is not emotionally satisfied with the existence of evil in the world. And so if you feel that way, and at the end of this podcast, you still have some like, man, I'm still there's still something off about the fact that people get sexually abused, people have their life taken away, horrific things happen, people are enslaved today. I'm still not okay with that. You need to know God's not okay with that. And yet we're going to try to back up and provide almost some ways we think about and how Christians can reconcile the problem of evil. But I just thought it would be important to start there. Anything y'all would add to that? No, I mean I think it's true. We we want things to be black and white, and mm-hmm. we want something to emotionally satisfy. And there's just there's nothing emotionally satisfying about something so tragic. Totally. And so yeah, we can dive in. Yeah. The only thing that I'll add is I also would love us to just answer the question of if he's not satisfied with evil, then why does he not step in and stop something like that from happening? Yeah, yeah, we will. Yeah, I think there's a couple answers to dive into that, and um, one is. We know that the fact that school shootings don't happen everywhere, every day, every second is a reflection of what God in the Bible calls and Jesus calls his common grace, that he causes the rain and the sun to shine and pour on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
that all of us every day, the fact that we're alive, the fact that um, horrific things are not happening is because God is keeping evil at bay. And so the number of school shootings, why didn't he stop? The number that he has stopped is infinitely more than the number that, that hasn't. And the number, it's like thinking of planes, like a plane crashes and it's like, man, that's crazy. The fact that every plane doesn't always crash, the fact that everyone is not, uh, you know, lives a very short life and dies of a cancer because the cell goes out of control is a reflection of God's grace. And so then the question is, well, then why does he allow? Mm-hmm. Why does yeah. he allow even one? Yeah. And I, and I think that's a real fair question. And this is where the intellectual thing, it's just not going to emotionally satisfy but I'm going to attempt to incorporate it because I think it's important as we think through. It's not a logically. In other words, this isn't a problem. The problem of evil is not a logically it disproves God or logically it disproves of Christian faith because that's not true. There is logical, and we can reconcile that, and we're going to attempt to. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, people will feel out of that emotion, man, well, this just disproves my faith. And that's operating out of emotion, which is understandable. It just is not logical. And so mm-hmm. I can emotionally feel something deeply, and yet it doesn't mean that it's true. I can emotionally feel that um, JD is a cow and I feel it deeply and I believe it. And yet that doesn't mean it's true. And that's a random example. And I don't say that to invalidate or to um, insinuate anything like the emotions that people feel in a moment like this. It just, it's not logical. So here's what I mean by that. The existence of evil for Christians is not a problem that articulates an argument against the existence of God. It's a reflection of the existence of God, we would say. And here's why. We believe that because God exists, there is a such thing as good and evil. In other words, there's a standard. If there is no God and life means nothing, and we were just created by nothing for nothing, there's no such thing as good or right and wrong. Like, like when it all comes down to it, it just basically is opinion that I could say, hey, it's wrong for me to steal from somebody. Um, and you could say, it's no, it's right. It's justified. But if there is no divine lawgiver, if there's no actual ultimate standard, then we're just, we're going off of one another's opinions. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing at the end of the day. And so as Christians, we believe the fact that there is an existence of evil and we would say, no, that's just evil. No, there's no debating it. That is evil that that happens is a reflection of the fact that we have what Romans 2 says placed inside of us by God, a moral conscience this is what it says. It says people who don't even know God, who don't have the law, when they by nature do what the law requires, and when people live according to this sense of justice, they show they have a law even in themselves. They show that the requirements of God's law or God's divine compass in their life and of their um, morality is written on their hearts, their conscious also consciences also bearing witness. So the Bible says that the reason why we look at something and go, that's evil is because we were made in the image of God and out of a reflection of being made in image, his image, we have the ability to discern between good and evil, the ability to say that is evil. In fact, C.S. Lewis, I know, know you know who C.S. Lewis is. Yeah. You know who C.S. Lewis is? I do. Um, C.S. Lewis was an author, lived in the 1940s, 1930s, brilliant, Oxford. Um, Oxford, and what's the other one in England? It's like the other famous. Cambridge? Cambridge, yeah. It was a professor of both mm. of those. Anyways, he was an atheist for most of his life or more than half of it. And he eventually came to a place where he, his problem was the problem of evil. And he realized, oh, my recognition of evil in the world is a greater problem for my atheism than for me becoming a Christian. Because if I really believe evil exists and I can't, I like I undeniably believe there is such thing as evil. 
if I'm an atheist, there is no God, so there is no such thing as evil. And he began to be led to Christ. In fact, here's, here's a quote from him. My argument against God was that the universe seemed so evil. But how I got the idea of good and evil, or how had I got the idea of good and evil? What was I comparing this universe to when I called it unjust? Of course, I could have just given up on my idea of justice and said, oh, that's just my own private idea. But if I did that, then my argument against God collapsed. The argument depended on me saying that the world was evil. Consequently, atheism turns out to be too simple and more of a problem for the fact that I think evil exists than for my theism or Christian faith that he would have. And so just as Christians, it's not an argument against God. It can emotionally allow us to feel lots of things, but it's not logically inconsistent with the fact that we believe God created the world, sin was introduced, and it's been broken ever since. Jesus is going to come back one day, and he died on the cross so that anyone who trusts in him could be a part of a world where he's going to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, and there will be no evil, there will be no wrong, there will be more tears or death, and that day is coming. So I think that's that's where we start. Anything you guys would add? I think something that's always helped me too is when talking about because then I think the next question is, okay, if it proves his existence, does it does it disprove his goodness? Yes. Mm, yeah. And um, because then if he exists and he's all that we say he is, then why wouldn't he stop it? And you kind of went on this earlier, but something that's always helped me is, like, Becca, ideally, if God got rid of evil, um, how much what when would how much evil would you want him to get rid of? I mean, all of it. All of it. Yeah. And. So that means that he would have to get rid of me and you and David because there's something evil in us. Um, the Bible says in Romans 3 or 2 um, how it says no one does good, not even one. And so we all have sinned. We've all fallen short. And so if evil is sin or wrongdoing, we're all guilty. And so I think, again— the fact that he doesn't get rid of evil, because that means that he would have to get rid of us, again, not pro- it proves his goodness, his, his patience, his kindness. However, I th- we can go further on that if you want, but then now the next question now points to his sovereignty. Um, so you kind of go from like existence to goodness to like, is he in control? Because if we have free will, is he in control? How can he both be sovereign and in control and we have free will? So I, I think for me, do you want to go anywhere further on any of that? No, I think you're you're basically pointing to the fact that, like you said, J.D., the argument goes, hey, well, maybe God exists, but maybe he's not good because he, if he was good, then he would stop all the bad. Um, so he's either not good or he's not God because if he's God, he can stop anything. And if he's good, he would stop anything. And that assumes that there is no good reason why God would allow something to happen that is bad. And as Christians, to your point of the sovereignty, we're not just told that he's sovereign and that he's good. And you just gave the crystal clear argument of, hey, yeah, we all want evil to be gone, but yeah, where do I draw the line? Like if I had a, that was easy button to hit and all the evil is gone, I hit that button. My wife's gone. My kids are gone. I'm gone. Everybody's gone. And so Christianity provides an alternative where God said, I'm going to once and finally deal with this and establish a new world, and I'm going to allow anyone who wants to be a part of that new creation, new heavens and new earth, who trusts in me and the provision I give of my life in their place to be a part of that. And in the meantime, you use the word patience, which is the perfect word, J.D., 
that he's good because he's patiently waiting for anyone and everyone to come to repentance. Second Peter chapter three says, the Lord's not slow in keeping his promises, son to understand slowness. He's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so we know and believe the Bible teaches there is a good reason behind everything that God allows that's not good. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It, yeah. Like there's a good reason behind everything. What's hard is that we can't always see it. And because I can't see something, I assume that it must not be there. And um, it'd be like this. If I said, uh, this illustration rocked during COVID and I don't think it is this great now, but if I said on your Amazon package, do you have Amazon? Who does not have Amazon Man, these days? Man, they just took over the world. On the Amazon package, you don't have Amazon, really? Uh, no. That's another wow. conversation we need to have. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, there's some good reasons probably to not have it. But let's say for you and me, you have an Amazon package on your front door. And if I said, hey, you're going to go see it, and there's an elephant standing on top of it, and you go outside and you don't see an elephant, you would go, there's no elephant. And I said, are you sure? Did you double check? Yeah, I would know if there was a huge full-size 4,000-pound elephant standing on my package. It would be crushed, and I would see it. And if I was like, no, but did you really, really check? You would go, you're crazy. I I can <laughs> see it. If it was there, I would see it, right? Right. But if I said, hey, there is a um, there is COVID germs on your package, and you looked at it, and you're like, I don't see any. And I said, no, 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 you wouldn't be able to see it. You can't see it. You'd go, and if, and if you responded, no, I could see it. If it was there, I would see it. No, that's not how it works you would understand like, oh, something can be present and me not totally see it, Mm -hmm. right? And when it comes to God, why he would allow, why a good God would allow something not good to happen, we're told that there is a reason behind everything that God allows sovereignly to take place in this world. And we are not always able to see it. And we often assume that it would be like an elephant on top of our Amazon box. I would see it. And the truth is God's ways, Isaiah 55 says, are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his ability and how he's reconciling, bringing everything together is beyond our ability to always connect the dots and see it. But one day in eternity, we will. Well, I think that's hard for people to actually wrap their heads around because isn't there other ways that God can bring good? Like, does he really have to allow 19 children to lose their lives? And I think that's the conversation that I often hear among young young adults. So I think it's just hard for people to wrap their head around. So I'd love for you to dive I, more into that. Could I give a thought on that? Yeah. yeah. You want to go first? No, no, no. I was just going to say, uh, no, I won't forget. So you go. Yeah, okay. I feel like, um, again, in God's patience and kindness. So the way um, I've heard it put before is like, so when we choose to not trust God and our and our generation is becoming more and more godless, mm-hmm. churchless, they, they aren't following the ways that God gave for us, and nothing is new. Like, he told us, if you don't follow these ways, you will, like, destroy yourselves, essentially. Like, that's what we preach. Like, hey, if you choose sin over God, you will destroy your life. We preach that every Tuesday. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we see the world destroying itself because the world doesn't want God. And so as the Christian... We mourn and we grieve and we pray for repentance, but I'm like, this is what's going to continue to happen if people want to keep making idols out of ourself and out of culture and out of what the world wants. And, you know, I saw, I was mentioning this earlier, but I saw a post that kind of talked about what's happened in schools and public systems since prayer even, as something as small as prayer, 
or like in God we trust or like the mention of God and things like that in school, what's the downfall that's come since you've taken out some of those values and those things in the public school system? It's just, it's true. It's it's evidence that points to, man, you remove God and you remove a lot of things out of the equation and what you're left with is evil. You're left with man left to themselves. And there's a lot of cases in the Bible where God was patient and patient and patient, and he was calling people back through these different ways. And eventually it says, and he left, like he gave them up to themselves. Yeah. yeah. Like he left, it's like, if you don't want to listen, I have to let you go. It's kind of like the prodigal son, like, give it to me. Okay, if you don't want to trust me that I have enough for you, like, take it and go. And that's what I think is happening to our our world, is God is having no choice but to go, I'm not going to flood the earth again. So my last, I have to leave you to yourself. And this is the result. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's that's exactly right. That in some ways, it's just a reflection of God give, handing people over to themselves. He either makes us robots, mm-hmm. he destroys us, or he leaves us to ourselves. Out of the three, like which, what in parenting, what's the best choice for a parent with their kid? Rope, make them a robot destroy them or leave them to themselves. Like if the kid keeps rebelling, that's why you hear a lot of parents are like, we just had to let our son, we Admit tried everything. Mistakes. Yeah. yeah, we tried everything. Yeah, And that's, you're at the end left with nothing else to do because you love them. You have to let them go figure it out. And I think that's what God's doing with, with us. Yeah, with humanity. Uh, to go back to the emotionally satisfying thing, mm-hmm. this is where it's really challenging because uh, somebody could be listening going, yeah, but why Like, would he allow that reason? And how could there be a good reason why you would allow 19 kids to get shot and not experience some of this? Like, how? And there is no emotionally satisfying. Like, I can give you a hypothetical. I can give you some logical. I'll give you two hypotheticals of like, man, yeah, this could be. Like, here's a far reach that I don't think is accurate, but I think it at least is a hypothetical scenario that would be like, oh, this could be a hypothetical situation where um, maybe there was a good underlying it or something that was good God sovereignly was bringing about. But again, it's such an emotionally attached issue that there it's not going to reconcile the emotional aspect to you. And if anything, it may be offensive. But I'm happy to, like, give two hypotheticals. Um, one would be... Like, let's say, as believers, we know the most important thing about somebody is their faith. And let's say, because of this tragic incident that God allowed, and God loves every one of those 19 children and two teachers more than any of us ever do, more than their parents do, more than their spouses do, more than their their siblings do. He loves them more than anybody else. And maybe God sovereignly knew um, that the... Um, again, it almost feels insulting to use these examples, but hey, because of what's going to happen, we're going to see every person in their family and every person in their extended family come to know Jesus and they wouldn't have apart from that or they hadn't yet. And now they're going to be in eternity forever and ever and ever with what we believe all of those kids will be tragic as it is and that God's going to bring about good in that sense through this. Mm -hmm. Still not emotionally satisfying. Yeah. Or take the inverse. Take take the fact that maybe um, uh, one of those children would grow up and be... Uh, the um, a creator of tremendous evil inside of our world. And God sovereignly allowed that to not take place. And I hate to even use that example because it's so intellectually. 
It's hard to detach the emotion to it of like, how could you even say that? Uh, I'm just trying to generate, it is possible to think of hypothetical ways God could be producing good, allowing something bad to bring about good. And if I can come up with those here, infinite God who sees and creates everything, who grieves much harder than we're grieving over the loss of this life, and who loves every person much more than we love, just people in general, um, could be working to bring about good. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't think it yet, like you were saying, I don't think we're going to be emotionally satisfied by these answers because I think even as a Christian hearing an answer like that, you're like, okay, well, even if all of the families are brought to Jesus. Couldn't have been been another way. Yeah, couldn't have been there another way of just like meeting somebody at work. Yeah. And like, why does it have to be children dying? So I think that's where we as Christians, it's hard to wrap our minds around things like that. Yeah. And And I think sadly the answer is like us. It's like not on God. It's it's us and it's such a bigger question that we have to wrestle with and pray for as the church of not even why does it have to be children dying it's why are we why have we gotten to a place where that's people are that evil um because you look at it as fatherlessness there's so many things that create someone to be so messed up totally that we need to be addressing as well like People want to make this isn't about politics, but people want to make this about a gun. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many things, and it's sad because the world obviously is going to make it about right or wrong with guns, totally, because they don't have a spiritual take. Right. They don't see the spiritual take on it. Where we're like, man, this is so much bigger than a law. This is this is us needing to turn back to God. And so, man, yeah, it is, and. What's crazy is the number of, like, here, here's where we are. The news benefits us and being connected benefits us. And it also does, does not benefit us. And here's what I mean. And I'm probably going somewhere that people don't assume that I'm going. We are all aware of something like that tragically happening. Um, two, three days, yesterday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, and yet the number of children in our country that die every day is significantly higher than that. And I mean, around the same ages, like there are 10,000 kids that will die under the age of 12 or 14 in America every single year. And so you do the math on that. And I don't know what 10,000 divided by 365 is. Anybody uh, good with math? I'm not good at math. Nope. I'm not 30, good at 30, <laughs> 30, uh, 30 kids are going to die every single day. And some of tragic causes, some um, in horrific ways, mm-hmm. some of just illness and sickness. Uh, and, and so God sits outside of it. In other words, we zoom on on this one thing and we're like, how could that happen? And God's going, it's happening everywhere. Like the fact that you live in this world, you, you kind of buy this illusion that everyone lives this long, full life and things are beautiful. And in some ways, we as Christians have hope to endure whatever we face in life. We, we do have hope. And yet we live in a really fractured, broken, messed up world where children, a, a former Ports leader has a one and a half year old who, who tragically passed. And there isn't an explanation, and it's it's it, there's no satisfying answer. And I say that just to go. You think about God sitting out of time, and He didn't just see the nineteen; He sees the ten thousand, and He sees the the just all the different ways that people are are dying in a world that He did not create to be so. And He's waiting patiently so that another person would come to know Him. That is, He's hoping that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. And His patience it has Him waiting. And as the church, now we have the responsibility of going around while He waits and while He allows another tragedy to happen, 
for the sake of another person spending eternity with him forever, which is the greatest tragedy, Mm -hmm. that you would spend eternity apart from God. And we have been called to then take that message of hope and light to a world that, to what J.D. said incorrectly, is running from God and in doing so running towards disaster, pain, death. And um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, I want to provide some more application for our audience. So I'd love for you guys to just give some answers to these two questions. A, with mass shootings being so common, how do we not live in fear, like just even go to the grocery store on our day-to-day life? And then my second question would be, when mass shootings happen, stuff like the school shooting in Texas, what are we called as Christians to do? Like, what can we do and how should we go about it? Yeah, so those are two really, like we could spend a lot of time on each of them, especially, well, really both of them. The first one is how do you not live in fear? And I think apart from knowing Jesus, there is no real answer, you know, mm-hmm. because as Christians, we've been invited to see world, see our life through eternity and to know that, man, um, life is shorter than we realize. Eternity is long. And the truth and reality is something could tragically happen to my wife today when she drives our three kids to swim lessons. Like, like that can happen. And I can either live in fear wrapped up in that, or I can trust God and I can trust what his word says, which is, man, that may happen, but God will allow me to get through that. And uh, he's at work. And if worst case scenario, something happens to me at the grocery store, I'm going to wake up with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I think apart from resting and trusting in that, and there's a much lot, we talk about anxiety, we talk about fear all the time. There's tons of resources that are out there. Um, released a book last year that covers all of that topic. Mm-hmm. And so that would be the first answer. The second answer to the question of, hey, what is our response as Christians when yeah. something like that happens? I think, you know, JD, what you said um, is, I think we want to be prayerful. We want to um, be committed to sharing the gospel. And in doing so, hopefully less darkness exists and more light exists. And God gets a hold of people's hearts that um, wouldn't just hurt other people. They're going to hurt themselves and hurt other people. And so I think we continue to pray for, if we have connections, direct relationships, or even indirect, we do what we can to provide for people around those. And then I think we try to be faithful in promoting the gospel, just as always, knowing that life is short, eternity is long, and, um, and I do think there's so much debate around the Second Amendment and guns, and it's a gun-free zone, and man, they should be more stricter background checks, and man, they should just have teachers with guns. Like, all that stuff, we can debate that, mm-hmm. and we can agree to disagree. And as Christians, like, the three of us probably have disagreements around any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think keeping the main thing the main thing and where we can't disagree and shouldn't is, man, eternity is long. The gospel is the only means by which people can have eternal life. And ultimately, the only means by which death ceases to exist yeah, for good. any life. That's good. Man. Well, Father, we pray for everybody impacted in Uvalde and the family members. And we do pray that you would save anybody who doesn't know you. And we pray for anybody who right now is walking through a painful season. And the intellectual aspects of the problem of evil is not what they need to hear. They need to know that you love them. You gave your life for them. You are not okay with the existence of evil, so much so that you would die on a cross to put an end to it and put it on an expiration date. And we ask that you would come quickly and um, that you would give us the strength to, as you wait or if you wait patiently, for more to come to know you, to be bold and to spread our faith. We love you. Amen.
Amen. All right, guys, that's it from us. We'll see you next week on another episode of Views from the Porch. Thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch, follow us on social media or visit us at theporch.live. And as always, go in peace and love to serve the Lord this week. Thank you.